Listen in the dojo and dynamite. Dynamite, put your hand in, ring is out of sight. All elite TNT, make it feel right. Put your hand all elite, time to unite. One's name Rich, the other Ashley. The number one pod for the whole family. Time to fill your wrestling appetite. Now it's time to start dojo and dynamite. This is Ashley and Rich here with episode 91 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is Thursday, September 9th, and we are coming off a very hot, very, very exciting weekend in the world of wrestling, and we cannot wait to tell you all about it. Yeah, I mean, we were in Chicago for the weekend. Unfortunately, we had a flood. Yeah, the remnants of Hurricane Ida. Yeah, it took out our entire basement. We had to replace all the floors. Uh, we had to order new floors. And I, I mean... On the positive side, though, the construction just started. So it was kind of like the best, worst time of, of, for this to happen. Instead that is of everything true. being done and then being destroyed. But... Yeah, not having that. But, you know, trying to get out. To start on the experience, to try to get out. Imagine, there were videos of Newark Airport underwater. And we were able to get on an airplane that day. We were the first flight out to Chicago because they had canceled basically everything United. Luckily, we were flying American. We got out early on Thursday. We had we had a really full slate. But we got to go to Pro Wrestling Tees on Friday. We did three cups stuffed on Friday night. Black Label Pro and GCW. We did the Art of War games on Saturday. And then, of course, we had all out on Sunday, leaving at, like, 7 in the morning. So we had to leave the house at, like, 5 a.m. It was a jam-packed weekend. Not a lot of sleep, but that's okay. We didn't need it. We were we were just running on pure energy and excitement. And it was one of the best times we've had in quite, quite some time. We got an opportunity, Ashley, to hang out with some people from Thomas Island. We got a lot of new friends, people that hung out with us from the podcast. Yes, yeah, super fun. So that was pretty awesome. In Art of War Games, we had like a team of like 10 people. Met up with a buddy from middle school. Uh, met up with some of my fellow Islanders. And yeah, we had a nice little little crew going on. I'll tell you the compliment first. The GCW show was great. I mean, it was a lot of fun because you, you kind of had this opportunity just to hang out with people, to watch the event, to watch the show. So it was kind of like, hey, you know, it was a bunch of people hanging out. We had a bunch of GAs. We had Rose. We were the back. I mean, we had so much space. It was a fun time. Each, I mean, even Three Cups Stuffed was fun, yeah, which was probably more fun, actually, than War Games. Three Cups Stuffed, I think, was my favorite event of the weekend. Um, it, it was super casual. It was the first wrestling show we'd been to since uh, Revolution 2020, so that was just a nice moment to get back into things. But each event was different. Like Three Cups Stuffed was very laid back, very casual. Uh, GCW Art of War Games was obviously more intense. And then All Out was just electric with everything that happened. But we will be going to more GCW events. We've got the Atlantic City Fight Club coming up my birthday weekend. John Moxley versus Nick Gage for the GCW World Championship. Your boy Matt Cardona lost at the Art of War Games. Yeah, I think he actually wants to turn this podcast into Dojo Dynamite and Deathmatch. D&D&D. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I have to say it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. You know, we got a chance. You got to meet your leader, 
of MDK. I'm I moshed during the Nick Gage you moshed, entrance. I have video evidence of it. She moshed. Uh, got she got to, in there. She got tangled it up. Got a picture with Nick Gage, so checked off my little weekend bucket list. Almost got trampled by 440H. Yes, that did happen. I turned Ashley standing after moshing. She's standing in the, I guess, the entrance way, if you would call it. It's literally just a curtain that has like a, two smoke machines on the sides of it that kind of guide you. Is like, yeah, this is where they're going to come out. If there was a ramp, that's where it would be. Yeah. So Ashley's standing right there after moshing. We're watching this match. It's eight-man tag, Warlord and the Barbarian. It and was Danhausen and Warhorse yep. versus MDK. Okay, so we're watching this match, and I don't know. It started breaking down. I I happened to turn my head back at the entrance way. I don't know why, just to kind of get a bearing. You know, you're standing in the middle of a crowd of people. You're kind of like, you know, who's behind me? Well, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden, four four zero is barreling out of this entranceway with steel chairs, and they are within five feet of Ashley right now. And they are coming at a full head of steam. They were not going to stop. Ashley was going to get run over <laughs> for her gang. She was going to take it. She was going to get stampeded. She was going to take a hit for them. And as, as Nick always says, you know, the gang can do whatever the fuck they want. I had to grab her. I grabbed her out of the way as they came steaming down the line to interrupt this tag match, which was just, again, didn't make any sense. You're, you're selling this as a show on pay-per-view, and you have an eight-man tag for five minutes. It was called the what-the-fuck tag. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But there was a lot of good stuff. I mean, uh, Hoovitude was there. We got to see Alex Shelley. Yeah, versus Filthy Tom. That was a fun match. Jake something versus Effie. That was pretty cool. That next-gen scramble at the beginning uh, featuring Action Mike Jackson. Yeah, Jordan Oliver won that. Yeah, that was good. It was pretty cool. It was actually pretty cool. So, you know, we're anticipating going down to Atlantic City on October 9th for the Nick Gage-John Moxley match because John Moxley, of course, defeated Matt Cardona after coming out with G-Raver, who I'm sure people listening to this have no idea the context of all of this, but uh, G-Raver came out with a bunch of drones or whatever you'd call them. They were wearing hoods. Is that what they're called? Drones? I might be wrong, but... Moxley's one of them. Of course, attacks Cardona. Somehow it becomes a championship match. Don't understand how. Frank the Clown was his original challenger in the main event after the War Games, now imagine. After RSP took a massive scaffolding bump, you somehow had to have Frank the Clown versus Matt Cardona in the mess. And they were like, we're not cleaning this shit up for you. Moxley comes out, hits him with a paradigm shift, pins him, and then that's it. Yeah. But I know that was a match. Because he already beat Frank the Clown. It's fine. He's our new champion. I, but Matt Cardona deserves to have a rematch. Oh, he kind of right. got screwed here. I was sitting there. I'm like, you're not MDK or 440 because you're just Team Cardona. You're a broski. But if we you had had told a... me to be a broski ten years ago. I told you to fuck off. I was a broski. Ah, uh, you might have been. Yeah, Z True Island. Z True Island. Z True Long Island. Z True Island. Z True Long Island story with Where's Trent. Uh, but it was, those two events themselves were just an absolute blast. Well, Trent is Kofi. Kofi is Trent. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. But nonetheless, we'll talk about All Out, which is obviously why everybody's here, right? We're all talking about All Out. This is obviously a couple days late, a enormous, enormous event. Obviously, you have Adam Cole, you have Brian Danielson, you have Ruby Soho, you have Minoru Suzuki. You have a massive massive pay-per-view a massive 
fallout on on dynamite and we're gonna talk about everything guys i was still trying to like process the fact that cm punk is an AEW. like i'm still trying to grasp that this is real life with that and AEW gave us all the surprises on sunday crazy so it's shocking not that they did all the debuts at once because it was done absolutely perfect oh it's flawless but it was shocking to say you know what AEW. obviously we've always heard it how many times have we heard it that tnt likes to have these debuts or the announcements of these debuts on television because of the contract purposes you have four of these four of these surprises that happen on pay-per-view on a pay-per-view that was looking sketchy to buy prior to this weekend because Bleacher Report didn't have an app until Friday. Right. So, I right. mean, you're, you're talking, it was it was sketchy to get this pay-per-view on these streaming services. People had, you know, Fight TV had to unlock the international audience for America in order to allow us to buy it. So it, it was it was getting sketchy down the line. So they said, it look, it could be the highest purchased pay-per-view in the history of AEW, which would be uh, wildly successful. But this show from top down, People think this is the greatest pay-per-view of all time. I, I, I mean, from a wrestling standpoint, I'm, I don't know. From a momentous standpoint, yeah. I, I think this was a, a major, major play in the history of professional wrestling. This, this was, was a show historic, yeah. Yeah, that, that just had absolute monumental debuts, monumental changes, chess pieces moving across the board, as you could say, from the WWE to the AEW and, and you know, vice versa, whatever. You know, because there are major players here that have now transitioned from main events of WrestleMania to AEW, to leading the entire charge of NXT to AEW. These are major, major pieces. And now hopefully Ruby Soho is going to bring that next level to the women's division at another piece. She's just going to be a benefit. We already saw her Wednesday bumping around like a maniac. She's going to add another piece, another layer to what they already need. I always found that outside of Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, you know, I always found that they needed somebody to bump a little bit better for some of the stars. And, and Ruby Soho bumped for Jamie Hayter last night. Uh, uh, it was excellent. Ru Ruby's debut, I mean, she looked fantastic going at it with Thunder Rosa at the end of the Battle Royale. And uh, I, I love the match with Jamie Hayter. So she's already finding her groove here. And I, I think that she's just going to absolutely thrive. So Chicago opens Miro versus Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston's mega over, which just means that Miro's done his job exceptionally because Eddie Kingston's over overnight. Yeah. Chicago is pumped for him. Chicago has a very large, uh, I would call it like Latin audience. They they really love those, like uh, the Lucha Brothers. I mean, but, but they love the culture. And you could tell immediately by who was involved, the way that they had popped. We talked about that when, remember when they pulled Penta's mask off and we had the people, At the individuals next to us, mm -hmm. who were upset because he was, he was a kid, but he was upset. He was so crushed because Conan was never going to let Penta wrestle again in AAA because he has mask pulled off. And yeah. it was it was just one of those things that, you know, emotions ran so high. And when the Lucha Brothers came out, it was very similar. It was an enormous pop. And it was the right move because the audience was dictating it to be the right move. Even if story-wise it makes no sense whatsoever, it was the right move because the audience told you it was the right move. But you know what? We talked about it with one of our, our buddies when we got back. And I guess, do you really need a story when you have the scramble? You don't really need a story when the crowd is that hot. And I think that that's something that 
I'm starting to associate also is that, you know, with the way CM Punk talked about Orange Cassidy this past week, he says, you know, I don't necessarily get it, but the crowd is so hot. Yeah. You might as well just keep it going. Oh, yeah. Give the people what they want. It's not a bad thing. The people wanted the Lucha Brothers in All Out, and they got it. Hell, yeah. So, I mean, it, even if the story doesn't make sense, which we had talked about week in and week out, because, again, this is a televised, syndicated program that, you know, week in and week out, they have to they have to complete these stories that it doesn't make sense for the television purpose of having the Lucha Brothers win this tag team championship or even have a match after having six other ones that they failed in different iterations of them. So to have this match to begin with doesn't make sense, but it was the right move in the context of look at the crowd, look at the pop, look at the reaction, look at the respect that they paid to Lucha Brothers that day. Yeah, and the match itself was everything we expected to be, if not more. I'm super pumped, of course, that the titles changed hands. I'm excited to see what sort of matchups are to come with the Lucha Bros. Hoping now that this is going to pave way for Lucha Bros PNP at Arthur Ashe. I am looking forward to seeing what matchups the Lucha Brothers now get, yes. And I'm looking forward to what potentially could come after them because this was the right team that waited a long time to give them the yeah. tag team championship. So, you know, as we had talked about, there's some things that go on beyond the scenes and maybe this is one of those things where, you know, Lucha Brothers needed to commit more to AEW, say, hey, look, we're all in on this. We're not going to take all these outside bookings. We're not going to risk potential injury or whatever it is to compromise the potential run as tag team champions. And this could be the reason why they got the belts now. So you don't know what's going on behind the scenes sometimes. It's hard to kind of look through that lens. But it was the right moment. The crowd popped. It was exceptional. It was arguably one of the best tag team cage matches, if not the best tag team cage match in the history of professional wrestling. Love it. Love it for the audience. Love it for the Lucha Bros. And love it for the tag division. I think that this just bodes well all around. But like you said, we opened up with the TNT Championship match. The Redeemer versus Eddie Kingston. Top tier shit. Uh, It was a fun match. Eddie Kingston was super over. The Redeemer retains, but everyone looks strong, and we're here for it. Yeah, and it doesn't look over. So there, there is an opportunity yeah. here that they can continue this. This match was good. I mean, obviously kicked him right in the groin to finish the match, basically. Yeah, Because he, you know, he was going to redeem those nuts. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a good match. It was a solid match. Two guys went at it. I, I think the TNT Championship is arguably the best booked. I mean, you're talking about these matchups where anybody can win the championship at this time. You feel like, hey, Eddie Kingston can beat Miro. Sure. It felt like these guys could win these championships. It's probably the best booked title of all of them. And so, I mean, obviously, we'll see where Miro goes. Maybe he gets another run with Eddie Kingston as they kind of set up what's next for him in the TNT championship. But it was a good way to open. I was surprised because we were debating when you hear it's going to be Omega and Christian closing. What's going to open? You think maybe CM Punk? I know, but, but we didn't. talked about that at the beer garden. Like, you feel like you just had to. The crowd's going to hijack, but they didn't. Which was another cool experience, the beer garden. I mean, you're talking about a major pay-per-view and a major venue, and AEW basically sponsors and, and rents out. I don't want to say rents That's out. That's the pro wrestling tees all out, a wingman tailgate. Or yeah, the, the wingman tailgate, party. and they have it at a beer garden, a legitimate beer garden, not just a couple tents in the parking lot. And we got to walk across, and there were tons of people there. They recorded podcasts. I mean, we had a really nice time. We were hanging out with a bunch of our friends. You know, we were sitting there drinking beer. I mean, you're amongst people. Again, I don't want to put this into that category, but you're amongst a lot of people your own age in the same demographic. You know, it's not, you're not too worried about, you know, can I 
dude, what what what's going on around me? Well, let's watching the surroundings because there's too many kids. You know, you gotta, you gotta keep an eye out for them, and make sure you know nothing's going on. It it was really a bunch of people in the same demographic hanging out with their friends. Tons of people there, like I said, three times now. Yeah. I mean, it was a really good event. Well, our our resident Orange Cassidy fan joined us, and you know, as we've talked about before, he's not really a wrestling fan. Loves Orange Cassidy, enjoys AEW, but wrestling's not necessarily his thing. But he he commented that to you about it. Well, you know, I think his point was it's you're not really walking on eggshells of what you yeah. can say. You don't have to kind of keep an eye out for the kids running around or, you know, with, with, with the type of thing with all the alcohol around and all the people around. It's kind of... There were, it was like an adult it, party. It was an adult party. It, yeah. was, an, it was an adult get-together, which is exactly what their demographic is. And it, it kind of, you know, you come in, you feel comfortable, and you're not necessarily watching what's going on around you. And it kind of creates more of a, I don't want to call it a safe space, but more of a comfortable space. Yeah, it was super cool. That was, I know you, we were debating if we, if we were going to go or kind of what our Sunday agenda was going to be. But I'm very glad that we spent our time there. Yeah, and I'm not saying that having kids there is bad. I mean, no, there there no, were no. kids there. It was just, you know, when you do that, everybody's got to keep their eye out. You have to make sure that certain things aren't said. You know, certain things aren't left, you know, open. You can grab beers off tables or alcohol off tables because, again, it's a free-roaming kind of environment. So it's one of those things that kind of, you know, hey, but AEW sponsored. It was really a lot of fun, and, you know, it was a way to kind of wait until we could go into the venue. Yeah. Because the line to get in the venue was massive, but it moved quick. It did. It did move quick. I mean, the security was lackluster, to be honest. And that's just uh, point blank. I mean, they let me they let me walk in. They never patted me down. They never patted me down. They never securityed me or the little uh, metal detector. They the guy just waved me through. Said I was fine. No, they looked at my clear fanny pack, but that was it. I, I'm like, I, this is unbelievable. I mean, look, we're all there for the same purpose, but it's a little, uh, you know. Today's day and age, you kind of feel like everybody's super tight security. Thought that was a little weird. Different than that's past not AEW. That's, that's now. That's yeah. not AEW's. You know, that's yeah. the now arena. But I don't know. But they weren't now arena last time, so maybe there was a change. I, I don't but, know. But I will say this, and this is just an observation from All Out 2019, and I hope nobody takes this the wrong way. From All Out 2019 to All Out 2021, there were significantly more women. And significantly more kids. Yeah, I can... From the first show. I can confirm that. Um, Which I think is really good. Judging on, like, bathroom breaks, all out 2019, if I would go to the oh, bathroom... the line was just incredible. I couldn't get in the bathroom. For the men's. But, like, yeah. the women's, there was no wait at all. And, like, this time, a couple stalls were, were filled um, where there Which was a little bit more of a wait. It shows they're, they're reaching a diverse audience. They're reaching more. And I think that's big. One story I do want to share, uh, which I believe I shared on Thomas Island this past week. Guys, be sure to check that out. I was lucky enough to be a guest host with Tama and Ross on the Thomas Island podcast. But I was leaving the bathroom um, before the show started, and this woman in a CM Punk shirt started talking to me. And um, we were talking about like the paper towels or something in the bathroom. And then she asked which match I was most excited for uh, this evening. And I said, you know, naturally, of course, CM Punk, but also the Young Bucks. And she looked at me and she did not know who the Young Bucks were. And I was like, oh, they're the ones in the, the tag team, the, the steel cage. And she's like, oh, right. She was like, I, I've never 
been to an AEW show. This is my first show. I don't watch. She goes, I'm a WWE fan, but I'm here for CM Punk. And she's like, so, you know, I- I'm really excited. And I just she goes, thought... I'm here for CM Punk. I'd die for him. <laughs> listen. Listen. I thought that that was a really cool, really cool moment. That just shows the magnitude of... The connectivity of Chicago and CM Punk is, is undeniable. But it was, it was one of those interactions that, you know, it shows that the diversity of audience is there now. You can kind of see the, the, the difference between what it was two years ago and today. And that's there's not saying growth. what it was is bad. It's just that there's, there's change. Yeah. It, the exposure is larger. More people are, are having opportunities to go to events, yeah. to see events. Uh, you know, kids dressed up like Darby Allen, they were there. They were yeah. all dressed up. Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen are the two top cosplays, I guess you could say. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's, I, I it's a agree. fun environment. It's really, really, really a good time. And as much as it's really expensive, it was, it was just brutal. The second-hand tickets, these people were making out like bandits, and that's, that's not right. That's just fucked. But the trip was brutal in terms of the cost of travel on Labor Day weekend. It's tough to do these weekends. I understand why they do it. And it's great for the independent wrestling because, look, everybody was there for All Out. GCW sold great. They wouldn't let people in the building for Art of War games. Yeah. So, I mean, they sold very, very, very well considering they had All Out there as the backing. So, I mean, this is great for all those independent workers. That, that's awesome. But in regards to travel, I mean, it's just exceptionally expensive. Yeah, this weekend especially. But it was absolutely worth it in the end. I just wanted to share that story. It was a moment that I loved from the show. But we will continue working through this card because there is so much to talk about. After the TNT Championship match, we had New Japan versus AEW, Kojima versus John Moxley. Yeah, and I'm, I thought the match was very good. Kojima got a big pop. Of course, it ends with Minoru Suzuki coming out and attacking John Moxley. What a surprise! What they what what was the thing on Twitter? It's John Moxley versus Japan. That's Basically, of, and I love it. <laughs> but it, it was a good match. I mean, Kojima came over. He had a great match with with Moxley. Crowd was extremely respectful, which is what Brian said at the end of the show. How there were some matches on the card, maybe that the crowd wouldn't have been interested in outside of. AEW and you know they they respected Paul White's match they they really didn't shit on it at all and I think that we all did you know we saw we got to see you know Paul White wrestle for the first time and I god I haven't seen him wrestle in years so it, it, you know it's an opportunity to see guys maybe you didn't have a chance to but Kojima comes out Minoru Suzuki comes out the crowd goes nuts big holy shit chant and now he's going to Newark next week because of uh, this show on Wednesday I didn't think it was very good I mean, I, it just could be me. The pacing was off. The timing was off. The timing was off. I think and we'll get to that near the end. But I think they did a really nice job of highlighting younger talent. Yeah, that was fine. Dante Martin looked great. Dante Martin, and Will Hobbs, great Hobbs, match. Hell yeah. Yeah, that was an awesome um, match. But I agree, agree. The timing was was definitely a bit off with some Taz of the show. Taz was making it completely about himself when it shouldn't have been. Taz? Yeah. That was hilarious. It was hilarious. Awesome. Yeah. CM Punk said, we didn't say your name at all. We, we do didn't. not fucking talk about Team Taz. Uh, well, we, we, we didn't. didn't. <laughs> we didn't. But, I mean, CM Punk versus Hook, JRJ, come on. Huge. Huge moment. Uh, but CM Punk versus Powerhouse Hobbs is something I would definitely like to see also. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Ricky Starks. Let's hope that Powerhouse Hobbs already kind of got a little banged up at the end of that match, but... Uh, yeah, I haven't seen anything announced, but I did 
I did catch that as well. Um, hopefully everything is okay. Um, but Mox versus Kojima was a banger. Set Loved up Mox it. versus Suzuki the next uh, Wednesday in Cincinnati. Yep. And then that led to... Women's action. We had Dr. Britt Baker with Jamie Hayter and Reba, or Rebel Not Reba, versus Chris Statlander with Orange Cassidy. Yeah, and that match was okay. It was fine. It was what it was. Jamie Hayter was rolling all over the floor. You had Orange Cassidy getting in Chris Statlander's face. Tough motivation. Uh, but it was a fine match. It was a solid competition between two individuals. Obviously, Chris Statlander there poising her to be a top baby face of the women's division. So. Well, as we saw at the end of the women's match on Dynamite, we had Statlander coming to the aid of Ruby Soho along with Riho. So that's a pretty Yeah, strong... and those are the biggest baby faces right now yeah. in their division. So obviously you want to set that up, and you do want to set that up because it gives Britt Baker's faction somebody to work with because she's yeah. really the only group Combat of women the right numbers now. Game. So it, it's something that, yeah, exactly. It kind of it creates something to fight against. And it's kind of like, you know, it might be odd. It might be a cluster of selective individuals, but that can work sometimes. You kind of have like, you know, you have an alien, you have Ruby Soho, you have Riho. I mean, it's it's a complete outside-the-box grouping. It kind of works the way that, you know, Danielson and Luchasaurus and Christian Cage and Kaz and Jungle Boy are together. You know, it doesn't look like they fit, but it makes sense in, in terms of the, the logic of it. So you yeah. have all these big over baby faces coming out to fight Britt Baker and her faction. So, I mean, it works. It gives Britt Baker's entire team something to do. And I think that that's, that's a good way. And that, that can tie into, we could just go to the Casino Battle Royal because we're talking on the same topic. Who was going to challenge Britt Baker after Britt Baker defended against Chris Statlander, and it was Ruby Soho, and I think that everybody, they, they gave her a big cheer, they gave her a big chant, and I think that was big, because they talked about that afterward, in the press conference, how she felt, you know, for the first time that she was actually wanted by an she audience. She got an amazing welcome. They were chanting for her, we were chanting for her, um, be before the Joker card was even announced. I mean, all throughout that match, she was gaining steam, and then when she was finally announced, uh, the crowd just lost it. I didn't think she was going to win, though. I thought maybe I thought it might have been Thunder Rosa. Yeah, maybe yeah. they'd run one more Thunder Rosa back before they kind of, you know, maybe got Ru Ruby Soho kind of acclimated to AW first. Because I think that sometimes that can happen. You know, we talked about Christian Cage. You know, he and was getting Miro back in the too. ring for the first time. Miro also. But Christian getting back in the first time, uh, really wrestling individuals, it kind of took him a minute to kind of, you know, catch up the pace. We explained maybe why he had that match against Omega in the first place on Rampage to kind of say, hey, you know, what can we do? And I think that it would I mean, be good. Listen, Ruby Soho versus Thunder Rosa, regardless, and that was the conclusion of that that uh, Casino Battle Royal was great. I mean, you have two of the best women's wrestlers on their entire roster going at it, colliding to fight the best women's wrestler on the roster. You know, it's yeah. it was uh, it, it's look, it, it was great. It was, it was and well done. The crowd was was hot for both. We even talked about that in the arena that night. That. I don't think anyone would have been disappointed if Thunder Rosa won. Like, I think it definitely could have gone either way. But what a great showing for, for all those ladies. But we already touched on the steel cage match. Yeah, we did. We did talk about that. Um, Really not much more to say. It was fantastic. That was a great entrance. Mikey Ruckus sang him out. Oh, hell yeah. So, I mean, that was a tremendous One of the best live entrance. performances that I've seen in wrestling. Yeah, because the Judas, which I believe was like the next match. It is. Uh, that was horrendous. So we, I was actually, I took a, a bathroom break for these entrances um, for, for MJF and Jericho. But we were talking about this when we got back. And like, I'm kind of over it. 
the Judas thing? Yeah, you you talked about that. You guys check it out. Thomas Island Podcast, Ross Berman hosting, Tama Tonga, Ashley, you were on it. You guys discussed this. Oh, no, we also talked about it with our buddy, too. Yeah, well, you were kind of getting over the Jericho thing, but the Judas sing-along. But they had this guitarist come out and play, and it was the Judas, the Fozzie, sorry, the, the Fozzie guitarist. And, you know, he's playing the song, but... It, to everybody in the audience, it just sounds like the loudest screeching noise with no rhythm and no beat. And they, you know, people at home, we had a bunch of friends that didn't have an opportunity to come with us to the show. They were watching it. And their text messages were basically that, you know, that was terrible. That it was awful. That we couldn't hear the audience at all. And the truth is, it starts out, people start singing because I don't know what they anticipated. Because it wasn't like there was an announcement saying, hey guys, you're going to provide the chorus, you're going to provide the lyrics to this song. It's just had the guitarist out there, he starts playing it, the audience is kind of like waiting for the words to start, and they don't. So they start singing it. Then he loses complete track of like where he is in the song whatsoever, and the audience is like, oh, right, and then it kind of resembles a beat, but it just sounds like the loudest screeching noise you've ever heard. And, like, Mikey Ruckus, and they, they killed it. Hell yeah. I mean, that the, the awesome. Lucha Brothers were great. That reminded me of when they had the big headdresses on, and they had the big uh, performance. It reminded me of when Rey Mysterio won the world title at WrestleMania 22. Yeah. When they kind of played, it was very similar. They both wore very similar headdresses. They both had a live performance, and it kind of felt like, oh, the Lucha Brothers Big deal, win. like big money shit. But they lost us there, and then he kind of did his own flair on the guitar that just lost the audience. It was a... Look, I get it. All live performers, they like to put a little twist on live shows. But this was just, you're supposed to have the audience singing the songs. And I had said after this, all the individuals that have songs, Wild Thing, Ruby Soho, you have Judas, you have Cult of Personality, these are going to get sung. And that's a big thing that AEW is doing. But in this instance, it was a very, very poor entrance. And then everybody got worked when MJF came out as Jericho in the beginning, kind of had the little poot of a firework. I actually missed that one. But, yeah, uh, I did. Regardless, the match was okay. You didn't really like the match too much. I have said this before. I am over this feud. I thought the match the match was fine. They they have not had bad matches. And in retrospect, I did like the labors of Jericho. Uh, I think you know the match quality was, was good, and it was um, a unique twist, but... I just, this needs to end. I actually liked the match. I thought the match with Jericho and MJF was good. I thought the foot and the rope was pretty funny. I did like the I mean, ending. I thought that was yeah, creative. I thought the match was pretty good. I, I MJF bumps really, really well. He takes he takes some wild bumps for guys. I mean, he, he, he does that. He works really hard. I mean, I'm not saying that his offense is really exciting, but that that's, that's you don't have to be. No, There's it's, so it's many no that, disrespect to the match itself. It's just I need this feud to go bye-bye. Yeah, you, you don't have to do flips, and I don't mean it that way, but you don't have to do these big, over-the-top, exciting moves when everybody else does them. I think MJF's you know, movesets there, but sometimes he can get a little boring. But uh, he always bumps exceptionally well. Uh, story was really good in the match. Yeah, obviously, Jericho wins. It was the right move. It was the right direction for Jericho. You need a babyface Jericho right now. You kind of have a lot of guys coming in. I think Jericho can kind of help with some of these things, and... You know, I, I like the direction of it. And I think that, you know, maybe if MJF and Wardlow are going to team up more, that's something they're going to do. That could be a different direction for MJF because right now as a singles guy, there's not much for MJF to do at this exact moment. So, 
you know, working with Brian Pillman and the Varsity Blondes could be a good feud for them, too, to get over, which happened on Dynamite, which was a good promo. Brian Pillman came out, big pop Cincinnati. Crown and Dynamite kind of sucked. No offense. I mean, it just, like, you know, Brian Pillman got big pop, uh, deservingly. CM was Punk it, got a good, decent pop Was in the it main the event. crowd, though, or was it the audio? Because well, the audio, it did sound a little muted. Yeah, it starts to get hot, and then it does mute, but it was... The pacing and the timing were off during that show. I mean, you these guys debut those stars prior at All Out. These individuals in the audience, they just sat through Dark, they sat through Elevation, whatever they taped. They want to see the guys that just debuted. They want to see Danielson, they want to see Adam Cole. But you open up with Malachi Black versus Dustin Rhodes, which is a match I actually thought was really good. I liked that match. Uh, and of course, I like Dustin, but I thought this was really good. And I think that Dustin's in that role where he could be playing a better role than some of the smaller guys. And we had this conversation too, and I mean smaller in name stature, not in physique. Uh, you know, sometimes when you have these guys up against one another, or you have a jobber, let's say, for example, and you know they're going to go over. You have Moxley versus Wheeler Yuta. Not, I, and I like Wheeler Yuta a lot, but it's not like the casual audience. And the casual audience is dead. That's the poor term, terminology for this. But the, the generalized audience, and again, our friends too, they're like, I don't want to see that shit. And I like Wheeler Yuta, but you know Moxley's just going to walk away. It, it, so that's why I think with Adam Cole facing a guy like Kazarian, a guy that will eat defeat, he will take a pinfall, and it won't hurt him because he's an established veteran wrestler who still is very, very good. I think that that works much better than doing some of these other ones. So I like the Malachi Black and Dustin Rhodes matchup. I think it kind of added that, like, oh, it's Dustin versus Malachi. We know Dustin's going to lose, but we know the match quality is going to be good. And at the same time, he's kind of an entity where I'm intrigued in watching him wrestle. And unfortunately, sometimes with some of the smaller guys, and I mean that by smaller name stature, some of the dark guys, I'm not really interested or engaged in seeing what they do in the ring because I know it's going to be a loss. Well, I think that's the hard part, and uh, of course, you need to you have to start somewhere. So they you have do. to feature these talents in in order to build them. But at the same time, when you know it's going to be, you you know the the way the result's going to go, or you know the way the the match is going to go, it's like I don't know. It's it's hard to buy into sometimes. Right, but for some reason, I was much more into seeing Dustin versus Malachi and Kaz versus Adam Cole. I am one thousand percent here. Right, for Kaz and we know who's going to. We know the results. But we're okay with it. it. You know, but what they're doing with Varsity Blondes is good. I like the way that they've kind of integrated them. You know, Griff Garrison's a guy with a name that not many people may know who's having an opportunity to have his tag team match. But if he had a match now that he's been on television and in this tag team for a while, a singles match, I don't know if I would look at it the same way as watching, you know, like Wheeler Yuta. And I'm only targeting him because he's the only name on the tip of my tongue right now. I don't mean to, like, uh, offend anybody. Well, or Wheeler. Daniel Garcia... 2.0, some right, others. Right, yeah. Well, 2.0, yeah. 2.0 I like. But they're all they starting remind to me... get their footing here, too. Like no, all, they are. 2.0 those... actually remind me of Silver and Reynolds when they first started. It's guys that don't miss their spots. They know how to take a bump. I liked what they were doing with Silver and Reynolds as they were kind of enhancement talents, but, you know, were there and they got a job or they got a role, sorry, in Dark Order. And, you know, you have 2.0 kind of doing the same thing. I, I, I do like them. I like them. I like them in the role that they're in right now. So... They're a little bit more where I feel like, hey, I know that they're going to be putting over these guys in a way. Obviously, they're not going to win, but I do I do like the way that they do that. Uh, I mean, Jericho needed to get this victory. I mean, we're talking about it here, I guess, from the outset. But, you know, what does MJF do now? Maybe tag. What does Jericho do now? 
I don't know. Jericho may not need to be on TV right now. He's hot, he's popular, but maybe he can take the next two, three weeks off and kind of come back. Kind of like Adam Page. Adam Page needs to stay away for a while. He took the time off. It's his decision. It's his discretion. But things are really hot, and the story is not about Adam Page right now. I still think it would be a major mistake to not have Adam Page come back and win the title from Kenny Omega, but right now it doesn't feel like that's going to happen. And I feel like when it does come back and it does come full circle, the crowd might not care the same way. And that's just know, unfortunate. There's a lot happening right now. Because there's a lot happening. So I think Adam Page might need to just stay away for a little while longer. Let the dust settle. Because they're really excited to see Cole. They're really excited to see Danielson. They're really excited to see Punk. Just let the crowd, let the dust kind of settle, and then you have Adam Page come. But this tied into CM Punk. Which was another great match, I think, for what it was. It was a traditional style wrestling match. CM Punk got in there. As he said, it's like riding a bike. I think CM Punk's going to turn heel soon. That's just the way the promo kind of felt. But, you know, it, it was like riding a bike. Match was very solid, very safe. Darby Allen bumped really, really well. A couple of good Darby Allen spots. Thought yeah. the match was back and forth. I like the two of them together. Yeah, never, never questioned the result. Liked the, little sh- the handshake at the end with Sting. That was high quality. It was like an A. I mean, you give any anything that was done really, really well. That was it. You don't no, really have was, much more to talk about. It was great. The crowd gave love to both of them, which was which was cool to see. Um, but you I know mean, what? The crowd exploded, right, for CM Punk. Oh, well, obviously, obviously. Clapper like, in time was like Darby different. was still over, which was just it was nice to see because we had debated like which way was it going to go. Um, That's one of those things that you know the match happens and they're cheering for CM Punk, of course, and the match concludes and they're like, "Hey, Darby Allen." Oh, yeah, you know, Darby. We're, not, we're not forgetting about you. It's not that, you know, and he worked a little heel during the match. He did the go to sleep, and then he went to go do the uh, the coffin drop, and then Punk just sat up, which was just a weird way to fucking do that. That was cool. That was a cool way to do it, but that was a weird way to do it. And I, you know, kudos, because the timing of that, like, you got to get up and not get hit. That was great. But what I'm, uh, what I'm kind of hoping for is that we get that super faction led by Sting of Mox, Kingston, Darby, and Punk. I mean, it's, it's it's coming together. It kind of is. I mean, I see... Well, everybody, in a way, I can kind of see going heel. It's hard to get Sting heel, though. It's going to be very, very difficult. But, I, you know, Darby was working a little heel there. It's going to be tough. It's still going to get cheered. Punk kind of, you know, hinted in that promo that maybe, you know, could be about him. Moxley's teased both sides of the fence. Eddie Kingston can do anything you ask him to do. So, I mean, it's possible. It's going to be hard to get Sting over those heel. I don't know. But I like I like the thought of that group coming together. Um, and you got the Dark Order kind of falling apart. Oh, so yeah. They're might... crumbling at the seams. Yeah. Anna Jay becoming the leader of that group could be a really nice story, too. She yeah. comes back and kind of pulls them all together and becomes the lead. Like, not the leader. I don't mean that that way. But she kind of leads as example. She's kind of the voice that speaks. You know, she kind of ties everybody there and pulls them and holds them. Could be a really good way to, like, get her over. It'd be nice also to have, like, a faction with a, a female frontwoman. Yeah, you're right. You're you're right. I have a female frontwoman, and that's... Speaking of front individuals, that was a question you brought up. Is Adam Cole going to be the frontman of the Super Elite? And I, I don't think so, but I think the Super Elite is actually very much like the NWO. And uh, obviously that's been compared to left and right. But it's one of those things where when the NWO starts adding guys like Randy Savage 
And it's, you know, yes, it gets diluted, but it's Randy Savage doesn't need somebody to speak for him. And he could speak out there. Hogan led the NWO, but he could speak. And I think that that's kind of what you have right now. You kind of have this big faction where you have Randy Savage in it, you have Hogan in it, you have Kevin Nash, you have Scott Hall, you have Six. You know, you have these guys that are involved. This is, you know, early on. And, you know, of course, later on it branches and expands. And, and you know, you have Scott Steiner coming into that. And, and Scott Steiner could cut a promo on his own too. And, you know, but regardless, it's kind of... That's what I see, where these guys are individually still going to have their own personalities as much as they're within the elite. And I'm kind of glad they don't have, like, elite t-shirts. Like, it's not like they're wearing NWO colors all the time. You know, I like, Bullet Club always wears Bullet Club shirts. That's a thing that Bullet Club has that you don't want to take away from them. It's something NWO had you don't want to take away, but not everybody has to do it. And I like the fact that the elite right now isn't doing that kind of keeps the individuality of each of them while they're in the same group. So we'll see what happens with that. But the match, Christian Cage... You skipped over one. What did I skip over? Oh, Paul. We talked about him. A little bit. Yeah, I guess there's not really much to say on it. It was short and sweet. I think it's, yeah, it, I, it was what it was, but it was what it should have been. Yeah, I thought that they... Again, I, I told you I didn't think it needed to be on pay-per-view. I still don't think it needed to be on pay-per-view. Feud was fine. I mean, we, we talked about that too. It just... it's. The way that QT does his feuds is just all over the place. It's just there's no structure to it. But the match was actually decent. I mean, it was what you'd expect it to be. But it was a match where Paul came out, chokeslammed basically everybody, threw a couple of new moves out there. Crowd liked it. Bunch of really loud chops. Good stuff. Paul wins. You know, he had timing for the show, and then you moved on to the main event. It was kind yep. of a buffer between CM Punk and Jericho, and then the main event, which was Christian Cage and Kenny Omega. Yep, AEW World Championship up. I mean, this was excellent. Yeah, this was very good. This was very, 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 very good. And it was tough because Christian Cage and Kenny Omega deserved the world in terms of the audience because this match was really, really, really well done. And Christian took a top rope, one-winged angel, which was just... Gnarly. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was so, so well put together. But listen, we were at the tailgate since 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It was 10.30 at night. You were six beers deep. Yeah, it was one of those things where the audience was tired. And it's we've talked about this before with our pay per view experiences. It's I, I guess a good problem to have, but you know AEW shows the the pay per views are really stacked. And when you're there, I mean it's it's great match after great match after great match, and it's hard to maintain that that energy level. I know your friend or our friend rather. Um, didn't they shoot you a text saying like "wake the fuck up"? And we're like, "We yeah, are he's trying." Like, yeah, wake the fuck up! And I'm like, "I I can't." I'm like, you know, and that's that's why I think there was a chant like, you know, "Let's go, Christian." Let's go, Kenny. Chant. I think that's just a respect way of saying, "Look, I'm way too tired to stand up right now, but I'll give you guys something." You know, because otherwise, you know how the you know how the cheers are. So it's like I'll I'll give you guys something out of respect because we really do want to appreciate this match. And I, if you sat and watched, it was very very. Oh good. yeah, absolutely. Everything was entertaining. It's just. It was a long day, like you said, the beer garden. Um, that started at noon. Yeah, I mean, people were just uh, some. There was a guy sitting on a bench after this beer garden that that he was not making it into that venue that night. Oh no, I didn't no. see him. Yeah, he was in some big trouble. But it was it was one of those events where you know it was a long, long, long day. But of course, you know the crowd 
holds off on the Brian Danielson chance. They hold off the entire time, which yeah. they did on Wednesday also, but they hold off the entire time. Show ends. They're starting to talk about people challenging Adam, uh, not Adam Cole, I'm sorry. He does come out, but talking about Kenny Omega challenging for his belt and whatever. And the crowd starts to kind of get behind the Brian Danielson. The lights go out. It's party time. You know, yeah. we're all sitting on it's the edge we're of our seat. We're right for. on the front of the uh, the railings. It was like, all right, let's 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 fucking go party time. Yep. And then it was Adam Cole, I thought, which just completely floored the audience. Oh my god, we were all shocked. I mean, all just shocked. floored the audience. And this is part of what I I tweeted about this, and it didn't get a lot of attention. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. You know, got. I don't get much love out here, but uh, it was about the NXT concept. And Adam Cole comes out, and of course, Ashley, he's been gone for four years, right? Welcome back, baby. (laughs) It's one of those things where I do not watch NXT. And this is just, I don't watch NXT. I don't watch NXT uh, television. I've never, ever, ever, ever put on an NXT TV show. Have I ever watched an NXT TV no. No. Have um, you ever watched an NXT TV? I've barely watched takeovers. Never. I've I've watched um, takeovers. N- I haven't. We watched or yeah, we watched his WWE debut. And because that was we watched the takeovers. He attacked Drew McIntyre. I think I slept through like half of it and then woke up at the end. But like literally that is all I have seen of Adam Cole's WWE stint. His debut. So I don't get a chance to watch him speak outside of the little vignettes, the packages they build for the matches. I've watched him wrestle. He's had a very, very good uh, lineage of work in terms of his wrestling matches. I've seen the War Games matches. But, you know, I, I, I'm very unfamiliar with the Undisputed Era. Of course, I know who Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are. They're Red Dragon. Watch them a ton of times. Oh, yeah. And of course, I know who Roderick Strong Absolutely. is. He was like the king of the backbreaker. Absolutely. We watched him a, a ton of times. How many times did we go to see shows sit in the front? Those were our row? guys. Yeah. The, yeah. So, I mean, we've of course, we've seen Adam Cole. So, you know, it was the... We were there when Kyle O'Reilly beat Adam Cole, sent him to the... Whatever it was. I think he sent him... No, he didn't go to NXT after that, did he? He did. He beat Adam Cole. For the I, I have pictures of that on my phone. And that was the... Final Battle 2016. That was the Books of Youth. Yes, it was. Yeah. That was Bullet Club Bay Bay. But that was one of those things where, you know... We stopped watching Adam Cole, essentially, when he left Ring of Honor. So when he was in NXT, I watched his matches, but I never saw his stories. I never saw him cut promos. And it was like, he comes out here with the Elite, and it just it doesn't even feel like he was gone. It just feels like, well, you know, oh, well, he got a debut. Like, as if he was out there, and he came in, and he joined his friends like, that we had watched for PWG and Ring of Honor and Literally years. what they did on, on BTE, where he was seanced back from the dead, and he wakes up, he's like, oh, it's been four years, why, like... Where's where's Rosita? Like where the hell am I? Like that's how it felt that's, for us. That's literally how it feels. It feels like he's here and as if he had never left. Like this is the group that he was a part of because this was the group that he was a part of. Yeah. And like you know, it's so crazy that he has four years of this NXT with the Undisputed Era and all this stuff, and I don't know a single thing about it. No. And it's like I can't even picture. Uh, I can see pictures of him. You know, I can see pictures of him in the Undisputed Era shirts. I've seen them. They're all over Bleacher Report. They're, you know, I've seen pictures. I've watched him wrestle. But I, I just never followed a story, never watched him cut a promo. So this guy comes out, and he immediately knows where the TV is. He knows exactly how to work the audience when he walks out there. He cuts a promo, speaks fluently. This guy 
four years ago prior to going to NXT was had all the potential in the world. Oh, yeah. He goes to NXT, and now, after spending four years, he is a significantly, and this is surprising, shocking almost, he is significantly a better wrestler, better professional wrestler than he was before. And what I mean by shocking is he was already very, very good. And he is now significantly better than he was before. Which means that Triple H, those guys in NXT did exactly what they needed to do. This guy showed up, he's a star, knows exactly how to talk, knows exactly how to walk, knows exactly how to handle himself in the ring. This guy is a better professional wrestler because he went to NXT, because he went through that system, because he learned how to be a WWE superstar. He is a better wrestler because of it. And that is a compliment. That is an ultimate compliment that what NXT was doing was very, very, very good. You can see it right here. Professional. Because AEW lets you sink and lets you swim. And the fact that the people upstairs in the WWE didn't see the resource that this NXT was providing. Again, I can't speak on that. But you're just going from what you saw and what you saw. Because what I know I saw. Again, what I'm telling you is I didn't watch Adam Cole. I didn't watch NXT. Didn't watch it. Watch the matches. Takeovers are literally just pay-per-views. They're just a bunch of matches with little vignettes that kind of tell you a little story about what had happened between them. That's it. No real promos. There's no real, you know, this. They're not really building. So when I watched Adam Cole 2016 Final Battle, and I watched Adam Cole again in All Out 2021, which is literally the last next time that I saw him. Pretty much, yeah. This is a night and day better professional wrestler than when he left. So... What I mean by that is the upstairs in WWE has no fucking idea what they're doing. They don't have a fucking clue because they built this machine in NXT. And that that machine, Triple H and those guys, compliment them because they did their fucking job. Adam Cole is a better professional wrestler now than he was before because he went to NXT. And probably a better professional wrestler now all around than he would have been if he didn't go to NXT. Like you said, that's saying a lot because he was already fantastic with so much And that's much also saying a lot because he's been on television for a total of five minutes. And I can tell you he's already better, significantly better than he was before. And that, that just complements what NXT is doing at that level. And the fact that the WWE people, or whoever the fuck makes decisions upstairs, looks downstairs and says, this company's doing this wrong. We don't even know. You're wasted fucking time. You wasted fucking money. You wasted fucking resources. You wasted everything. You put millions and millions of dollars into this fucking performance center and to bring these guys in. And you built them into better professional wrestlers for AEW to succeed with. And that is just, that's just disheartening. When it comes to a management standpoint, the the communication from the upper management to the lower management to whatever NXT is to them is completely outside the box. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. I, I it, it's unbelievable that these guys are coming in here and becoming tremendous professional wrestlers. I mean, I, and I'm saying this from five minutes of promo time, watching Adam Cole in the ring, listening to him speak, watching him move. This guy is a 100% bona fide star that was built through the NXT system to be the best professional wrestler he can possibly be. And they just piss that shit away. And now look, it's not about Adam Cole leaving. I don't mean that. Because look, Adam Cole was going to leave. 
he he had talked about how this was something he was, had his eye on already. These are his friends. It's some he wanted to be a part of AEW. He was happy to be there. That that's irrelevant. I'm talking about them shutting this whole system down now, rebuilding this thing, rebranding this thing with a bunch of people. I, I you know, taking over, taking it away from the guys that built these guys into these stars. I am I, I don't know. And maybe it takes somebody's perspective, and I'm not you know toot my own horn here, but maybe it takes somebody's perspective of me being outside the box, not watching Adam Cole develop through NXT, not watching these guys develop as promos and, you know, and that kind of thing. Sure. Watching him from 2016, not watching a fucking thing, and then seeing him show up outside of the matches. Because, I mean, he, he's a great professional wrestler, but outside of the matches, seeing him show up on fucking Dynamite and All Out and cutting a promo and standing and knowing exactly what to do in carrying himself in such a professional wrestling manner that you don't even think about the fact that this guy's not Chris Jericho. You know, like it's it's that type of professionalism that sometimes you can see some of these guys show up and they don't always know exactly what to do or the way to speak or and you can kind of see that because they're green, they'll get used to it when they get to TV. This guy knew exactly what the fuck to do. And it's like, man, this guy was trained the right way by good people. And you wanted to, what, make him a fucking manager on TV? I saw that. That's, I, 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 I had can't. no idea. I don't, I have no, I have no clue. I have no clue what they're doing. They, they, the management upstairs, the disconnect from downstairs, and the downstairs guys were doing their job. I'm glad your grad school is paying off, too. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> if you want to put it in that perspective. I, culture, management, leadership. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they did... Regardless of what people want to say about NXT, they did their job. Their job was to develop wrestlers into the best professional wrestlers they possibly can be. And I can tell you that regardless of what anybody says, Adam Cole is better today because he went there than he may have even been now. But he is here. So he comes out. It, what a... It, like, it, it was shocking. It was so shocking. I, it was an audible, genuine reaction. Um... I don't know if you cheered because you normally just don't. <laughs> but well, I had to make sure that Adam Cole was cool again. I lost I mean, you my were, mind. You were, you were an anti-Adam Cole girl, but I wasn't anti. I just I didn't watch. I but you were anti NXT, so I mean he was the enemy. So I, I look at you. I don't cheer. I look at you and I say, "Is he cool again?" And you said, "Well, yeah, I guess so." Welcome with open arms. <laughs> So happy to see oh, him. Oh, my goodness. But, I mean, the Bay Bay was massive when he came out there. But I, I like the way this was done. Look, they're not insulting you. This guy, this is his friends. This is his group. He left four years ago. They just picked up literally where they left off. And to us, it made sense. Why would he come back and turn on his group? Well, they tried to murder him. That's why they would do that. I mean, yeah, but there's, a, made, there's yeah, a story there, to be fair. There. But... They, tried, they, they literally tried to kill him. Well, they did kill him, actually. They didn't try to kill him. They he died, but he's fine. He's back from the dead. No big deal. But like you said... They killed him. He comes back from the dead, and he's just like, ah, oh, I'm happy to see you What's guys. up, guys? It's fine. But then when like, he... But they fucking killed him. If he eventually turns, I mean, there, there's a story. It's a, everything will make sense in the end, but yeah. there's, there's no enemy... He was never an enemy, but there was just, it, like, it was literally like it was on pause. Like, he left, did his own thing, didn't, <laughs> no idea what was leave. going on. He didn't leave. Not left. But he like, died. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he, he did didn't leave. leave. He didn't leave he and left. do his own thing. He just fucking died. He left. And then they brought him back to life. Earth. <laughs> they seanced him back, 
and they brought him back to the group. But that to us is kind of what it feels like. like it no, like feels literally. literally like he just like he literally died and they brought him back and now he's it's alive. Like, oh. It's like, like in, t- it's like a TV show. Like in Supernatural. Literally. When, Literally like a fucking when TV When Mama show. Winchester comes back, and it's just like, holy shit, <laughs> you're here. Yeah, literally. Like, like literally like Supernatural. If anybody gets Supernatural fandom out there, literally That's like actually, that. the, that's, that's the literally, perfect reference. That's, that's literally what it feels like. what it was like. Uh, so we are excited. I popped super hard. You didn't. I don't know why. Because I didn't know if it was cool again. I had to get your approval. But our friend... Resident Orange Cassidy fan was with us and he does not know Adam Cole. And that happened and he was like, oh my God. Yeah, he, when that happens, he said that when I looked around the audience, it was, you know, they expected something. And we talked about, I, you know, I was giving him the, the lowdown on everything and, you know, Brian Danielson's probably going to be here tonight. And he's like, oh, I, Daniel Bryan, I, I know him. But like, obviously that was not Brian Danielson. And he realized the intensity you can continue he said he goes i i was looking around because they were obviously expecting somebody but they were not expecting that he goes that was a very very shocking revelation for that moment he goes and everybody else he goes i looked around they were they were obviously screaming yelling whatever but he goes but they were not prepared for that and then he comes out he kicks him he hugs his friends of course it makes sense why would he not he's with his friends again he's always been with his friends they killed him. They fucking murdered him. But that's well, I, I was saying to you, I'm like, he came out the heel tunnel. Like, I watched that. But you're like, you said to our friend, you're like, if he joins them right now, which he should, but like, if he joins them, this is going to be Yeah, huge. as soon as he came out, I said to, right now, I just said to Michael, if he joins them, they have to send Brian out. They have to. You have to, you have to send them both out. And he was like, uh, you know, because WWE would never do that. Because in WWE, it would feel like they just diminished the moment of Adam Cole by introducing somebody else that could potentially counter the wave that Adam Cole's going to create. Because, you, because again, it's one of the reasons why they don't have factions, right? Because they, you know, it's like the factions apparently diminish the stars, which is just, it's asinine. But, you know, in regards to Adam Cole showing up, he turns heel. Well, now you got to have the biggest baby face that you can possibly put in wrestling. And that is Brian Danielson coming out to a fucking bomb-ass theme song. Nice little remix of Flight of the Valkyries. And, they, I mean, the crowd just exploded. Oh, when JR said that the rafters were shaking, like, that was yeah, not that, a joke. What's What's interesting is when you watch it back, it's loud, but it's not super loud. And I think that's, again, it's one of the people that said that about the United Center with, with CM Punk. The... The cameras can't handle the noise. They have to. They have to drown the noise out. They are sports-based cameras, especially TNTs. So, like in a basketball game, you can't hear what's happening on the court if it's too loud in the in the rafters. So they have to minimize the outside sound so that you can hear what's happening. You can hear the commentators and you can hear what's happening on the court. Same thing in football, right? Like you know, if you go to a football game, it is loud. Yeah. But when you watch it on television, it's not loud. Mm-mm. So it's one of those things that, you know, I think in this moment they do the same thing where it can't because otherwise you can't hear the other audio. Yeah. And when Brian came out, I, when he said the rafters were shaking, we were literally vibrating. The entire upper deck was vibrating. Yeah. And it's because doing the yes chant, people have to move up and down. So it's shake. It's literally shaking the building. It, but it was an amazing visual. I wish I, wish I would have gotten a picture or video of it. Like, just seeing the sea of yes chants to the beat of the music. Like, it was a really cool moment. 
obviously on so many levels, but the entire arena was united for that. It, it was the right, it was, I couldn't, couldn't write a better script. It was absolutely perfect. It was absolutely perfect. You, you had the, you created a major, major heel. You created a major, major baby phase. And they're colliding now on dynamite. And it was, I, it was a tremendous, tremendous feat. And you got to give kudos to everybody that was involved in it because it was really, really, really well done. It's something that, you know, may not have been done in other companies. It was really, really well done. And it was kind of one of those things where, you know, you built anticipation for this Wednesday. And that's kind of the thing I wanted to kind of tie over to was, you know, which was really odd in, just in general was the timing of this show. You know, they wanted to see the guys come out. You get Malachi Black and Dustin Rhodes. but And the, the crowd, and I liked that match a lot, but it was, the crowd didn't seem interested in it because they were interested in Brian. They were interested in Punk. Well, it's, it's tough because... Like I had said earlier, and like we've talked about, you have to highlight your talents. Like, I think they did a really nice job in retrospect. I said this earlier of showcasing other guys. So, like, they hit the nail there, but you're coming off the heels of this really hot pay per view. I appreciate Dante Martin and, and Will Hobbs, and I do want to see them, but like, let's get to Brian Danielson. Like, right. and, and the Malachi Black thing kind of falls flat because the crowd's like, all right, well, and you don't even bring him Cody. So right. it's like, you know, the crowd just is waiting for something to happen. And you get CM Punk, but it was, you know, and then Ruby Soho was there. She had a match against Jamie. She had a nice was promo. With, yeah, she had a good uh, promo. Mm -hmm. And then the Elite come out. Obviously, uh, Danielson comes out. It's going to be tough to get this chant over. You're going to get your fucking head kicked in. Because the crowd was saying it, but they realize that it's not the words of the song. That it's just you're going to get your head kicked in, and that's. But there's be, like a pause because it, of the curse word. It's throwing the rhythm off yeah. of what everybody's used to saying, so it's going to take a minute to get that that over. As I think Brian was trying to get that over when he was there, but I mean Danielson versus Omega, Adam Cole's involved, Christian Cage. I, I like that Kaz came out and was part of this group too, because it makes sense for him to be part yeah. of this group. It makes total sense. So I'm glad to see Kaz back on there. Uh, you know, you, you had Dante Martin, of course, versus Will Hobbs. Great match. It, it was a great match. Yeah, it was a great match. Fantastic. But, uh, Taz, you know, cutting against CM Punk, so we're gonna have Punk versus those guys, Punk versus Hobbs, Punk versus Ricky Starks. We'll see what happens. Brian Cage, I don't know what's going on with him right now. Hook. Uh, yeah, Hook. Punk but versus Ed, Hook. I just don't know what's going on with Cage. He had a video package last night. Did he? Yeah. Oh, about okay. Ricky Starks. Um, oh, I didn't see that. I, but, I remember the Miro had a video package against Eddie Kingston. But you know, we're going through the show, and it's like. There was a lot to be. There was a, there was a lot of entertaining things that happened. We had Suzuki versus Mox in the main right, event, right? Which was the big. That was the big seller. And, and Suzuki comes out to a short entrance, but then you had Moxley running around for five fucking minutes at the end in the crowd, and you're like, you really couldn't have given him ninety more seconds. I did not like that. I'm glad that they're redeeming it. Next week we are getting Suzuki. And the match Boom, was like seven minutes. Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki at our Newark show, so that is really fucking awesome. But. Yeah, the the short entrance for the short match with an extended mock celebration, I did not love that. No, that, yeah, that that was almost disrespectful. And I think that... Now, I know it's his hometown, but like you could have done that off the air. Um, you could have done that off the air when you were changing over to Rampage. Exactly. I don't, I don't give a shit. And I, I love Moxley, but I don't give a shit about watching him walk around in the fucking crowd for five minutes. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, there was three more minutes of fucking Minoru Suzuki that we could have watched. I agree. So I, I don't. I was that was, that was gross. But it was yeah. uh, it was one of those things where, um, 
you know, now Suzuki's coming to Newark next week, which is awesome. We oh, get to yeah. see him live. Uh, you know, it's tough for New Japan guys sometimes to wrestle. Now, Ma- now Suzuki's wrestled a lot outside of New Japan too, but it does get difficult for New Japan guys to work TV time matches because they're just not used to that. It's not their style. So, you know, it could have been something where maybe, you know, we want to get a couple of good things in and then we'll just kind of transition to the end of the match because, look, we can't, we can't, we don't have all night. We don't well, have I thought he was really busted open, too. He so was, he was, he was, no, I mean, he was no selling the shit out of that thing. He was licking it, fucking rubbing oh, it. Oh, no, 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 I, I loved that, but I didn't know if maybe, like, for television it was too, but we've nah, seen death matches yeah, and shit, was, so I don't that know. That was, that was fine. Um, it, it was just, it was, it was shit timing. They booked this show. It, yeah, I did not like, I, I did not like the ending. But I was super excited to see Minoru Suzuki, and um, oh yeah, and that's why that's why people were so upset because week. everybody was pumped to see Suzuki. Yeah. He gave him fucking six minutes. I know. I don't want to see that. So you know, good match will be there next week with Lance Archer, which is awesome. That's exactly love what it needs to be. Yep. Love it, mm-hmm. love it, love it. Then we've got Arthur Ashe coming up. They announced it's going to be Cody versus Malachi Black round two. I really hope they don't boo Cody. Because right. I, I, New York is one of those towns that just it's going like to be interesting like. though because we they have not done a show out here. And being from this area, I also like what I like. So it's one of those things that in this area we like what we like. We like proud and powerful. I tell you, he's going to get a massive pop. You got to put them on the TV. You got to put them on the card. You got to put Eddie Kingston on the card in both shows. I mean, you, if you think the audience is that significantly different in Arthur Ashe and Newark, you are mistaken. They are, we are going to both shows. There are a lot of people going to both shows, same audience. Yeah, yeah. Same people. Don't give us, uh, you know, don't think that we're not going to pop for Proud and Powerful Eddie Kingston because he's not, I mean, they're, they're going to pop for both. But both in shows. a way, in a way, that's kind of a good thing to have the two back-to-back because you could treat them like two homecomings because you can't get everyone on one show, obviously. No, you're right. Yeah, and I, I'm... Would, wouldn't be shocked to, you know, wouldn't be like completely shocked if we got Joey Janela on Wednesday for um, the Rampage taping. We least. fucking better. Yeah. That's our Jersey homeboy. You're, yeah. Hometown boy. Yeah. We love Joey Janela. Do we? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, we do. I have my Joey Janela bad boy mask on this weekend. MDK. All fucking day. But we've got. Quite the lineup of events coming up. I'm very excited. Um, oh, which buck wore it best? So oh, Kenny looked pretty good last night in his his jacket, coordinated with his shoes. But obviously, a shout out to Nick Jackson with that chain. He's worn that before. Connected. <laughs> it looks absolutely. Just wait till the next time he gets both, and he's got one to one ear and one to the other ear. He's got two of them. Amazing. I t- but I tweeted that I was like maybe Kenny wore it best and someone responded they go Nick Jackson with that piercing and I was like God bless well, the person you. was like there's people that wear accessories and then there's Nick Jackson an icon an absolute icon yeah which Buck wore it best this week I think would be Nick Jackson Thank I mean you. Adam Cole looked pretty good though I do like the shirt all elite baby yeah he's got a jacket on same exact outfit he's worn for the past like week because he's he's fucking dead he just got revived. Yeah, you're right. Well, he's probably back on his rent. He fucking confronts Tony Schiavone about Britt Baker, which was just hilarious. It's like, if you... I, I I don't know why I thought of that. 
I just, it was like, he looked at Tony Schiavone and he like says to him, like, if you ever hurt her, I was like, he's going to look at her and be like, you fucking my girl. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know why I just, it was like the first thing that popped in my head was like that. A love triangle. It was like, literally he looks at Tony like, you fucking my girl. <laughs> Fuck you up. Oh my God. <laughs> It'd be another Tony Schiavone. What the fuck? Oh <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Good but, lord. Uh, it's it's. He's like you heard her like nice. Nah, uh, fucking. I look. They're at best like, friends. Yeah, I know. They're best friends. It's fucking hilarious. Good lord. But I think. Well, with that, we can kind of wrap it up. We could do a little preview for Rampage. We're getting a, a six-woman tag. Getting uh, everybody from Britt Baker and Riho, Statlander, Ruby Soho. Yes. We are getting an amazing match that was supposed to be at All Out. We're getting Andrade versus Pack. Yeah, that was a bummer, but I'm glad that it's happening. And I'm ha- glad that it's happening quick. It almost would have been overload, though. Yeah, now yeah, that you so look back, that's you know, true. It's kind of better that it's on this show. And then you have, uh, I don't know what the other match is. Orange Cassidy and Sting. No, I'm Orange Cassidy oh, and no. Sting. Darby Allen and Sting are going to talk. And there's another match. It's Brian Pillman wrestling? Max Cassidy? Oh, I, I think, yeah, I think that's the match. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, good show for Friday. We won't have a podcast covering that one because we're doing this one kind of right now. It'll kind of tie everything together right after Dynamite, all out. But we do a little preview, and I heard that the Andrade versus Pac match is impressive. So That's what I heard also. So we in. are excited to see it. But with that, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, hope you're doing well, staying safe, and enjoying what's to come in these next few months of wrestling. We are at Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter, at Dojo and Dynamite on Instagram, Dojo and Dynamite at gmail.com, and we will be back later next week with another episode. Thanks, guys. <laughs>